Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 55, Cock-A-Hoop at Free Point Lane. From this set piece, and they have done... Thiago Silva might be coming. Conte decides to have a go. It's deflected and it's when he locks in. It's 2 0 Chelsea. That's Rudiger and they've got three. And it's Tony Rudiger who runs to the Chelsea fans in that far corner. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. Jack, how are we doing, sir? Yeah, all good, mate. Had a last big weekend of uh, running before the marathon. So I've got a couple of big runs in and then. Uh, it's always going to be a class weekend when you beat Spurs away. So great end to the weekend. Yeah, no, it certainly was a top day out on Sunday. And joining us again on the pod, you know, it seems that we just get him on for London aways uh, so far this season. But is Nishal Schwagel. Nishal, how are we doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good to be back on after Arsenal. Shame I was another game like Arsenal, but you cannot complain, like I said, after the perfect derby result. So great to be back on. And a lot to discuss and a lot to go through on what is a very, very good result for us. Yeah, no, Zali, and we will get on to that in a minute. But as always with guests, I get themselves, I get them to give themselves a plug. So, Nishal, tell people where you're at on Twitter, where they can find you and where, obviously, they can find all your work. You can find all of my work on nishalsblog.com, articles, videos, podcasts, mm-hmm. all there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Nishal underscore SP. Nice one, nice one. All those links will be in the description below. Right, before we get on to the very, very happy day that was Spurs away, we've got to briefly touch on Zenit St. Petersburg as Chelsea kicked off their defence of the UEFA Champions League on Tuesday night. Um, Jack, I'm not going to spend too much on this. We were with a friend of ours uh, from school who filled in last minute re- as a last-minute replacement. And that, as we were discussing, you know, there wasn't really much to talk about in that first half. So um, let's kind of get on to the second half. Romelu Lukaku, you know, that's, you know, that's, him, again, him showing why we bought, why we bought him, because without him in previous season, that ends up as a nil-nil draw probably, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. He just, yeah, one chance again, really, at the end of the day, and gobbled it up. Great header, a great cross from Aspi as well. So, um, yeah, not, not the best, not the best, uh, not the best game from us. Far from it, really. But at the end of the day, we've we've won the game 1-0. We've got three points on the board. You want to start your Champions League defence and campaign started with a win. So it, I think it was just one of those take the win and on to Spurs at the weekend. So still happy with that, with that result. But just we could have played a bit better, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, quite a few, I guess, off days from, from our attackers. Mount had an off day. Ziyech was pretty frustrating given an opportunity, but again, you know, Kovacic was pretty sublime. You know, the defence didn't really have to do anything. I guess, you know, it was quite nice in the show, obviously, a full stamp bridge, you know, and we were able to give, you know, Jorginho, Edouard Mendy and Thomas Tuchel their props for obviously winning the UEFA awards. So that was nice, wasn't it? That was a highlight of the first hour, wasn't it? Seeing those awards given out and having that cheer and having that celebration of the four players. Um, like you said, that first half was just 
horrible. And it's interesting you say that that would have finished 0-0 otherwise. We would have lost otherwise. Let's be really honest. Look at Valencia in Frank's first Champions League game. We didn't play well. We didn't get any goals. And Valencia nicked it instead. That's what would have happened. Then it would have gone up the other end. Duba would have scored the winner. And we'd be sat here talking about how we lost to Russian champions. But Lukaku's the difference maker. And with a player like him, you know, he had a frustrating first off, but purely because the Zenit and Petersburg defenders defended really well against him. They did what most defences need to do, and they just crowded him out. Both centre-backs went into him, gave him no space to breathe, no time to think. And all I said was, he needs the service. That's all he needs. And if Mount having an off day, Ziyech having an off day, fell to Aquilaqueta to get one good cross in. You know, And it wasn't even a clear-cut chance for Lukaku. It was an open, contested header. But when you've got a striker that dominating in the air, get up, score a brilliant goal, get a winner. That's what you want to see. And what my main takeaway from that game was, is that we didn't play well, but we won. And that is the stuff of champions. Play teams where they can play badly, not have a good game, have an off day and a bad day at the office, but we still managed to win. And when you can get these 1-0 wins, whether it's at the start of the season or in the business end in May or even in December in winter, if you can get these results without playing well, that shows you have quality, you have the strength to be able to do that. So three points at the end of the day. And that wasn't even the biggest result of a week, which is even better for us. No, exactly, exactly. We move now on to the biggest result of the week. London Derby, Spurs at the new three-point lane. It's been our three trips around the league. Three wins, six goals scored, none conceded. Lovely, lovely place to go to as well. Um, yeah, top top day out. Briefly, met up with a legend that is David Branch. What a boy. Um, that was fun. Uh, but honestly, just, you know, that game, if ever you want to hear, you know, use the phrase, a tale of two halves, that game really was it. Jack, that first half, you know, honestly, I was just you know, there was nothing really to say. We weren't great. Spurs were probably the better side in that first half. Um, and yeah, you say brief. We're going to start off on this because it was you know a very very off day for Mason Mount, and obviously we saw that when he was hooked at half time. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, so going on from that Zenit game, taking <laughs> taking how he played in that game into this one, just wasn't quite clicking. Uh, he had a big, big chance to play it to Rom, who who was in and just slightly placed the pass behind him. Could have maybe played Havertz in, then got the return ball to himself and scuffed the shot. It just, yeah, it just wasn't really clicking. And at the end of the day, that substitution at half time has has completely changed the balance of the game. Um, I think in the first half, to be fair to Spurs, first 15, 20 minutes especially, they were. They were decent. I don't think we expected them to come out the blocks like they did. I think we thought we'd have a lot more possession, but those front three were really kind of pinned to our three centre-backs. Um, looked like they were targeting um, Mr. Silva quite a bit, getting Son Son onto onto his shoulder, um, trying to isolate Thiago Silva and, and beat him with a bit of pace, but at the end of the day, they, they no, no match for Mr. Silva. He he was different class in that first half, even before he went and scored the goal in the second half. He was honestly absolutely brilliant, especially when we were really uh, having to soak up a lot of pressure in those first 20 minutes or so, uh, making vital vital blocks, heading balls out for corners that were going to be dangerous crosses across goal. Um, and yeah, his experience just just shone through again. Um, he, he really is honestly absolutely immense and, on a free free transfer, we're we're not bad at um, acquiring some of those throughout the years, are we? So, yeah, ha- happy days for him. But um, yeah, I think the first half one to forget for sure. But I'm sure we'll discuss it now. The second half was just breathless, to be honest. We completely battered them and fully deserved the three points and and could have been way more than three goals, really. Yeah, Michelle. Just you know, before we move on to the second half, we're talking about Mason Mount. That's sort of now a couple of slightly poor games, you know, poor games in, uh, in a row for him. Is this sort of now, I guess, the opportunity for Tuchel just to, you know, we've, we've sort of seen how Chelsea become very overly reliant on Mason. Is this a chance now to just maybe, you know, take him out the firing line for a little bit, just, you know, ease him up? Because he'd actually start the season fairly well when you think about, it. you know, had a strong showing against Palace, strong showing against Arsenal, decent showing against Liverpool. And then the international break, just for whatever reason, just seems to have, disrupted his rhythm and I guess there is a slight you know cons- consolation but it seems to affect quite a few of the other England boys 
rhythm as well. But is this perhaps an opportunity now for just take Mason, you know, just maybe out the limelight just for a little bit, especially seeing as how we actually, how good we looked in the second half without him on the pitch? He needs to be, simple as that. It's a shame that he's not been playing well. You know, we had a good few first games of the season, like you said, and since the international break where he played a lot with England coming straight back into Chelsea, he struggled. And, you know, maybe it's a trend of England players where, you know, it's been a really long and draining summer, getting to the final, going through that heartbreak and going straight back into the season. But at the end of the day, we can't be making excuses for Mason Mount. He's not been good enough in recent weeks. We'll all say that, honestly. But the joy of Chelsea is that we have enough depth in attack especially, to be able to rotate and be able to rest Mason. Maybe it is the time to give him a few games. And, you know, we've got a game with a lots of rotation available uh, against Villa. On Wednesday, we've got a big game against City on Saturday. And we have enough players. We can bring Ziyech on. We can maybe, if Pulisic's ready, um, bring him back in, get him back to full fitness. Callum hudson he can start as a left winger, exactly where Mason Mount should be starting. And if Callum hudson isn't starting in these next few weeks you've got to be asking serious questions because you've got one winger who's out of form in Ziyech. You've got Mount out of form. You've got Pulisic who's injured. hudson adoy has got to be starting. He's got to be involved. Same can be said for Timo Werner. You know, will we touch that in the second half? He was a really positive influence coming into that after a break and really helping boost our attack and give us more chances. But Mason needs a rest. You know, most times he's been fine playing 50 games a season. We know that. But when a player is not in form and you have other players to play in that position, it would be daft not to switch it up. So Villa will be a good indication of seeing who do we bring in. And then, of course, City. Does he start against them? I don't know. I feel like he does need a few games out, out of a limelight, out of a firing line. And we have enough options and we have enough choices to be able to switch it up and try something different. Because right now, that's what we need. Yeah, I think with Mason, I, obviously, I reckon he would probably get rested midweek. I honestly, I do think he will start against City in the league because Tuchel just does trust him in the big games and I completely get that. Although, again, I do think potentially that would be a really good game for Timo Werner to play and we will get on to Timo in the discussing the second half a bit later. But we open the scoring and very interestingly, and I'll link this article uh, from the brilliant Adam Newson uh, in the pod and when I put the tweet out, but Chelsea sc- took, scored from the first outswinging corner they took this season. So Marcus Alonso took... Yeah, Marcus Alonso took corner, and there was El Monstro, Thiago Silva, to head home to put us one lap. His stats, 74 touches, won five out of six duels, and all four aerial duels, six clearances, 51 out of 60 passes completed, one chance created, that one chance being that Alonso volley at the start of the second half, which really sort of just set the tone for that second half. Two shots, both on target, scored the opening goal, and he becomes Chelsea's second oldest Premier League scorer after Didier Drogba. Um Jack, Thiago Silva, I know you kind of briefly touched on it at the start, but he just truly was immense again, wasn't he? And, you know, that that goal just, you know, to sort of top it off really at a top, top day from him. Yeah, I think that was just the icing on the cake for him at the end of the day. He would have he would have been my man of the match, whether he'd scored or not, 100%, um, just completely faultless for the 90 minutes. And as he has been since he, since he joined the club, um, yeah, he, as, as Gary Neville said in the, in a commentary just said sometimes he he has a tough decision with who he should pick for man of the match but yesterday was a complete no-brainer it was it was obvious who who stood out on that pitch for him and I couldn't agree more I've yeah we we, we've uh described him with so many adjectives and uh in a in good fashion so many times on the podcast so I, I don't need to say much more he's just he's just uh He's just a mentality monster, someone who strikes me as someone who's who's like Ronaldo. He's probably got a whole team behind him at home, um, nutritionists, masseuse, etc., people like that who have been able to keep him in as good shape as he has been for this for this long and to prolong his career. So uh, I honestly think, uh, yeah, he he's just a special character to have in that in that dressing room that the that the younger boys can learn off and. And yeah, he's, he's won it all. So let's go and deliver him a Premier League title as well. Exactly. And him kissing the Chelsea badge as well. Beautiful to see. And, you, and also I was like, you know, the Silver family, how they've just brought into Chelsea, how you see how like fully behind the club they are. And the show, I just got to say, you know, it's just a shame with Thiago Silva. We almost got him about five years, you know, too late. But we're also so blessed to see him right now playing for us. And, you know, I'd be one of the best defenders of this generation. 
he's an absolute asset to have in a team. There's no doubt about that. And of course, we'd have loved to see him with JT. That would have been the dream centre-back partnership. But what, have, what could have been? And I think what's even more admirable is that he's not going to be starting every game this season. He hasn't been starting every game this season. But when we've needed him, he's been flawless. Look at Liverpool, where we had to come off a bench after Rhys James was sent off in a fantastic second half. Look at Tottenham the other night. Brilliant 90 minutes, by far the man of a match. Um, it's something we can accept that he won't be playing every game of the season. He doesn't need to be. We've got defensive options just as we have attacking options, like I said. But it's so valuable that we have someone who's about to turn 37 who can still come into any game, whether it's a must-win, whether it's to show up the defence, whatever the occasion, he's good enough to be able to come into the team, shore it up and play a role. Um, you know, part of me does think it could be the end of this year. He doesn't get a contract extension and he ends after two years, but he loves this club and he's brought into the ethos so well. And we speak about it all the time in terms of what it means to be Chelsea, what it means to understand the club. At the end of the day, does it matter? It's a football club, it's a football team, but it does. It helps you get players. You understand what it's like to play for us. You know how much it means and what it means to play for Chelsea. Um, there are very few players, I think you can say, that within two years, even a year, you can say, who have come in and had the same impact and the same attack, um, attachment to Chelsea as Thiago Silva. He's an absolute asset to have and he will go down as a Chelsea legend however long he stays and whatever else he achieves at the club. Yeah, Jack, you know, a second goal scorer is from that substitution. Oh, N'Golo Kante is just different gravy, isn't he? He's just superb. He's just quality. And I remember we spoke with Nishal against, you know, after us, we said, you know, bringing Kante off a bench is just such a flex. But again, he comes on second half and that midfield was just shored up immediately. We got, you know, that first half, Spurs, we allowed Spurs to have control. That second half, we had complete control of that game. We were able to sustain attack after attack after attack. And he comes down to N'Golo Kante and that extra body in there. And he was just everywhere. It's, yeah, it literally is because that's what I was exactly what I was just about to say. It's because the bloke is everywhere. He's pressing balls in Spurs' half that you just think, what's even the point at him running towards the ball? And he somehow like makes a challenge and it goes out for a throw and whatever. And that still allows the defence to get up the pitch. It's just small things like that. The energy, the energy he possesses is just is second to none. Like me doing my doing my marathon training, seeing him flipping everywhere, running here and there. Um, the stamina he's got is just unbelievable. And he he really is just a special, special player. I don't think we will see many players in world football like this man ever again. And um honestly when when he when he decides to decides to go and decides to leave and and retire from football, it'll be it will be a really, really sad day because what what is there to not love about N'Golo Conte? Just look at him when he scores yesterday. I know it's a, a lucky deflection, but you don't shoot, you don't score, you don't you don't buy a ticket to the lottery, you don't win, do you? So and you just see him he doesn't know what to do when he scores. He just stands there, just smiles, and he's just—he's just a brilliant, brilliant guy and uh, top professional. And yeah, ultimately helped change the game and 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 put it in our favour. And and um, yeah, took complete control of that midfield. And and um, yeah, we <laughs> can't really say much more than that. We just absolutely dismantled them in that second half. Yeah, and the man who actually set him up and got the assist, albeit, you know, again, how much credit and how much value do you place on that assist when the shot is is deflected? But I actually want to give him more credit for the fact that he actually stole the ball off. Spurs were in possession. He actually stole the ball off the Spurs player and gave it back. And that was Mateo Kovacic. Mateo Kovacic made more successful tackles, six, than any other player on the pitch during the game. And, you know, however much value you put on assists, that is his third assist of the season to go with his one goal. And, you know, we thought he was going to score his second in, in two weeks near the end there. But the show, Mateo Kovacic, I mean, it's it's early days, but surely he is the front runner so far for Chelsea's player of the season. So far, he's my player of the season. There is no doubt about that. And what I admire about Mateo Kovacic is since he came in under Sarri, he has just got better and better and better. Um, of course, there have been games where we've questioned his role at the club, what he can offer, what he can do. But credit to him, he has been absolutely outstanding this season. I think I can remember two games I've given him man of a match. I gave him man of a match against Villa, 
pretty sure I gave him a man of a match against potentially Liverpool. But he has been superb every single game he's played and getting assists as well, getting goals and assists for someone who's not typically a creative midfielder in terms of numbers. But that goal against Villa, you know, that pass for Lukaku and of course the other day, however much of a role you want to put or weight on that assist, he was crucial and he was one of our best players on the pitch. And you look at the midfield depth we have and the midfield competition, but Kovacic is undroppable right now. There's no doubt about that. He's been superb a real joy to watch and there's more to come from you know he's coming to a stage in his career where he's arguably getting into his prime he's starting to really hit his stride but most importantly he knows his role of a club he knows what he needs to be doing in midfield driving forward getting assists and complementing Conte Jorginho whether it being defensive or whether he's with Saul which we saw against Villa in the first half and there's just so much more to come from Kovacic and absolutely he would be my shout for player of the season so far but it's a long season ahead of course, we won't be deciding that anytime soon. But if we had to decide it tomorrow, Kovacic would be my shout, no doubt about it. Yeah, exactly. No opposition player on the pitch dribbled past him. So, you know, again, we have been, you know, slightly, you know, concerned sometimes about his defensive work rate as well. But again, just put in a complete monster shift yesterday. And whatever, for whatever, the number eight shirt just seems to have sort of almost brought out a new Mateo Kovacic. And this is where I'm going to sort of bring in Timo Werner. Timo Werner created the third goal. He obviously, before that, had countless chances to score a goal. The finishing is still, still a bit suspect. But Jack, we for the first time we got to see Timo Werner sort of playing off Romelu Lukaku. And yes, obviously we were 2-0 up and it was the ideal situation with Spurs leaving loads of space. But he actually had a really, really positive contribution off the bench, didn't he? Yeah, big time. And it looked like a relationship between Lukaku and and Werner could be developing now. I know it's chances uh, late on, etc. But when you're playing good teams like Man City, etc., and you want to play on the counter attack, having those two could be could be a brilliant option. Um, he still needs to uh, get get his uh, boots on the right feet. I think some of the <laughs> some of the touches he had when he could have just could have taken a touch to drag it into his path like Ronaldo did against Newcastle the other week and he's got a strike there on his left foot um, so it's just still not quite clicking in that respect but like last year at the end of the day you've got to admire the, the kids hustle and um, it was a honestly a brilliant brilliant cutback seeing Rudy peel off to, to the like penalty spot and and brilliant cutback from him and a top finish as well so yeah Timo just needs to Needs to take those chances. Yesterday, he showed he showed the um, sh- sh- showed a good showing, I think, and and I think it will get game time midweek. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he plays against City as well. So we'll just have to see. But he needs to just keep keep it going, build, keep building the confidence. We've seen him in the international break getting getting a few goals and a few assists. So just needs to keep building himself up. Yeah, and as you mentioned, that third goal scorer, Antonio Rudiger. That's now the fifth goal scored by a Chelsea defender this season, which is as many as Spurs and Arsenal whole teams have scored between them. So that kind of just shows, you know, the goals this Chelsea team have. But Michelle, you know, Antonio Rudiger, again, he's just picking up where he left off last season. He's had, you know, a really strong start to the season. And he just, you know, tops off another good display with a really, a really nice finish. A really tidy finish. One we didn't expect to see. And when we see him hitting long shots into the shed up at every single week, you wouldn't expect him to bury a shot like that and so clinically. And it's a brilliant goal and a brilliant defensive performance as well. Same as Thiago Silva. Even without that goal and that contribution in attack, he was superb in defence. And it's a bonus that we've got goal-scoring defenders. And Rudiger, for many people, has been one of the players of 2021 for us. He has been nothing short of magnificent and just bullying attackers. So clinical and so composed and commanded in defence and you know I give him a lot of credit but because before I saw him as our weakest defender I said it was time to sell him I didn't think we'd seen what we wanted or what we expected of Rudiger but since Tuchel has come in he's revitalised him he's come back from the cold and he's just been wonderful and you know Spurs was another example of just how crucial he is to that defence and alongside Thiago Silva as well such an experienced backline and much one which will serve as well and of course it brings us to a point that he hasn't signed his contract extension yet. Some people are worried, but I stand by saying, but I'm not worried at all. I think he will extend. I don't see why he wouldn't. And if he does decide to leave, 
you can't really blame him when you look back on even just the last year of service you wouldn't blame him for moving on or going somewhere else but I do think he'll be extending his contract I hope he'll be staying because he has been brilliant and he has shown us the quality he's possessed since he was at Roma since he was at Stuttgart since he's been in the national team we've seen what Rudiger is capable of and the longer we get that the better it will be for Chelsea and for Rudiger well, he's best, is he the best defender in the Premier League right now, Jack? Yeah, I don't think there's anyone better. I think I've said that for the last few weeks. He's on form, current form, 100%. He's everything you want in a defender. Aggressive, good on the ball, fast. Amount of times he, uh, midweek especially, amount of times he had to uh, clear up for Alonso was a bit of a piss take, but that doesn't matter. Um, uh, he was my man of the match against Zenit. I know Rom scored the decisive goal, but uh, for for in midweek he was he was absolutely brilliant and and same again yesterday, so yeah, hundred percent I'd say he's at the moment is the best defender in the league for sure. Michelle, is he best defender Premier League for you right now? In form, absolutely, there's no doubt about it. In terms of a whole season, I'm interested to see how players like Van Dijk, Diaz, even Matip had a good start to a season. I have to be honest, but I would say in form he's absolutely the best, and we'll see how long he continues this. He doesn't look like he's going to be losing his place in defence anytime soon. I'd be very surprised if he did. But right now, definitely the best Premier League defender. Yep, and his contributions helped Chelsea. Uh, his his contributions now mean Chelsea kept more clean sheets, 15, than they have conceded goals, 14 in the Premier League since Thomas Tuchel took over. And Chelsea have kept the most clean sheets in Europe's top five leagues since Thomas Tuchel took over. And just briefly talking about that, obviously part of a defensive effort was Kepa. He started and Jack, you know, aside from that early sort of shaky-ish moment when he sort of fumbled, you know, that cane cross and then quickly had to, to smother it. To be fair to the lad, albeit he didn't have a huge amount to do, but he didn't put a foot wrong yesterday. And you felt after that moment, he calmed down and you felt pretty comfortable and assured with him in goal, didn't you? For sure. I think that's a testament to, to how far he's come in recent months that that early sort of kind of mistake didn't, he didn't let it get the better of him when previously that 100% would have happened. The next cross that would have come in would have somehow would have ended up in the back of the net or something like that. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant from him yesterday. Um, like you said, didn't didn't really have much to do. But at the end of the day, that's him keeping another clean sheet. Um, and when we've got the, the African Cup of Nations coming up in January and Mendy will be away uh, with Senegal, um, for him to get that clean sheet, keep boosting his confidence. Um, that's brilliant for brilliant for him because he will have to come in and he will be playing games at that point in the season. Yeah, Michelle, you know, well, I think one of the big things we have to give Thomas to credit for. I mean, we we give him credit for for a lot of things, but it has to be how he's dealt with Kepa, how he slowly rebuilt him. Not only just rebuilt the player himself up, but I do get the sense there is sort of less perhaps less anxiety now amongst the fan base when we see when we see Kepa starting or, you know, involved in a big moment now. You say that, but we still do see a divide in how Kepa's treated and how people react to Kepa. And I do understand it to an extent, but I also feel like it's unfair because you could do the same with so many players. For example, Jorginho was a completely different player before Tuchel came in. Rudiger was a completely different player. Christensen was a completely different player. But everyone accepts them for the qualities that they have the performances they produce under Tuchel but when it comes to Kepa people only fixate themselves on what we saw before and yes of course you understand that because he was an inconsistent goalkeeper dozens of mistakes cost Chelsea a lot but since Tuchel has come in has there been a bad performance from Kepa and I ask her honestly when he first came in he kept five six clean sheets in a row you know he only conceded once when he eventually played he was crucial every time he came in he kept clean sheets and was making saves and looked confident. He helped win the Super Cup. But then you still see people, you know, and this is a generalisation with a small minority of fans or maybe whoever, but you still see people being against Kepa completely and say, no, he's not one. We can't rely on him. But the truth is we can. And most importantly, Tuchel can. That's what you want. You want a manager to be able to rely on his number one goalkeeper and his number two goalkeeper. There's a reason they're there. Number one gets injured, or like you said, when Mendy goes off to AFCON, we're going to need Kepa. And whether you like it or not, he's been informed and he's been playing really well. And I'll always defend him 
because even when he was playing badly, I knew he had started a quality there. And um, we saw that against Sunday, you know, maybe he didn't need to make a dazzling save every five minutes, but he did his job. He made a good few comfortable saves. He looked good in goal, bar maybe the first 15 minutes where Spurs were really pressing. But even then, when they pressed onto him, he was still okay with his distribution. He didn't lose the ball. He didn't make those same mistakes that you would have seen a year ago against Liverpool and against Mane. So Kepa deserves a lot of credit and also a lot of apologies from a section of a fan base. And I know it's a big claim to be saying and a big thing to be saying, but honestly, Kepa has earned the respect of a whole fan base and rightly so. Yeah, no, honestly, you know, I've never been fully convinced by the lad. I'll be honest, but that was just purely because from what I'd seen. But, you know, he hasn't let us down on Thomas Tuchel. And that's what you've got to base it off now because we've been, you know, a decent enough sample size now and he hasn't let us down. So no credit to the lad. Final player I want to touch on, I kind of feel we always have to talk about when Spurs, Marcus Alonso, the man who runs down the wing for you and me and everyone else. You now I thought he had a good game. He did, you know, obviously he got the assist with that outswinging corner, first outswinging corner we've taken this season, you know, obviously somehow didn't score. Eric Dyer, brilliant clearance off the line and have that volleyed effort. But, you know, Jack, again, no Ben Chilwell. Marcus Alonso just keeps putting down his case. Yeah, he's still still stepping up. I still, personally, I'm a Ben Chilwell fan. So, uh, wait, I, well, I won't, I won't uh, address that now. But, no, Alonso has been has been on the whole quality this season against Liverpool, etc. When we when we were down 10 men, had to be tested defensively, cope well. Um, but we all know what that man does best, and it's it's in the opposition's final third. Um, he, he's brilliant going forwards. Great run from for the uh, chance where he volleyed it, and good save from Loris, and then a great corner from him. Uh, some of the corners he took as well were interesting. I thought uh, the first one, I, I just thought that was a complete miss hit, but it was clearly something we were working on with people running to the front post and trying to flick it on, etc. So. Be interesting to see if he's still on corners going forward. Um, but yeah, and yeah, he, he has been class at the end of the day. Uh, uh, but I still, I still think Chile, when he's fully fit, he'll he'll be starting in that team, in my opinion. Yeah, but Nishar, I guess it's just quite nice, you know, the fact that last year, you know, Bencho had to work to get his place bank side. But then he did do it, and he did gain it back. But again, you know, obviously due to circumstances with, with Chilwell, with the fact that he got he got to England late because of the Champions League final, then didn't get to play in the Euros for various number of reasons. Then as a result of that, you're not really fully fit for the start of this Premier League season. But it just has allowed us to ease in Ben Chilwell, albeit perhaps, you know, more slowly than some fans would have liked. Obviously, I mean, there was some disappointment he didn't start against Senate. But you now imagine Chilwell starts in the Carabao Cup against Villa and that's his chance to get minutes up. But in the meantime, you know, Marcus Alonso hasn't hasn't really put a foot wrong aside from one sort of calamitous mix-up with Mendy at Liverpool, which he then sort of wrecked for of his second half showing that day. Absolutely. And you have to give credit to Marcus Alonso. As much as we want to be seeing Chilwell playing, as much as we think he deserves to be starting, Alonso's had a brilliant start to the season and Spurs was another great example. Like you said, really unlucky not to score. What a strike against Lloris. So unlucky not to score that. Great corner as well getting that assist for Thiago Silva's opener. And he's been really good in the start of the season as someone that Tuchel can trust. In terms of Chilwell, his time will come. He should be starting against Aston Villa. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Chilwell and hudson Doy, and even Kepra, three players, I'd be very surprised not to see start against Aston Villa. And his time will come. You know, at the end of the day, Alonso won't be our starting wing-back or starting full-back for the entire season, however long it goes on and however much we have to do. Chilwell will get his chance. And it's just a um, situation of when we need a certain player and who's in form, you know. Alonso is in form. There's no reason to drop him other than maybe a tactical switch. And even then, the games we played, start Alonso has been okay. It's just, you know, I feel like um, Chilwell feels like a fan favourite in a way, in a way where lots of people want to see him start and want to see him play. And I get that. But Alonso's playing well. There's no reason to drop him. When the time comes to make that switch full-time, and make Joel our start and fall back again, it will come over time where Tuchel thinks it's appropriate and he knows it's appropriate. But right now, there are no complaints. Alonso's playing brilliantly. Chilwell's waiting in the wings and he'll come back in and he'll perform just as well he did, as he did last season when he came back into the squad last season. So all in due time. Yeah, no, exactly. Mark Alonso, whether you like him or not, has been a very, very good servant for Chelsea Football Club. He's 
all mean he's already a cult hero for the amount of clutch goals he scored for this football club but now nah, he certainly does does the job that's required of him right we're answering your questions first question comes in from rj do you think we will see more of the same personnel from the second half more regularly or is it game slash opposition specific um jack do you think we'll see some more of the same personnel from second half or is it just purely game opposition specific um it's a difficult one on on the surface of it i'd i'd say we should still continue playing two sixes just to get more of our attacking talent on the pitch but if you're going off form and you're going off how good we were in that second half i wouldn't be surprised to see more of that at all you've got somewhere like kante coming back into the team how good jorginho has been for the last year and how brilliant Kovacic has been for this season. I I couldn't, you can't really drop any of those three, in my opinion, based on how good they've all been at the moment. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see more of it, but but it comes at an expense, I think, at the end of the day, when you when you've only got somewhat so, two attacking players, someone it's it'll be wrong at the end of the day, and then it's one other player playing off him. So it it limits us a bit a bit there, but I I don't know. I still think we sh- I still think predominantly we'll play with the three three attacking forwards or one striker and two inside forwards. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think it just suited. You know, we was playing with Spurs. I think I actually felt that they probably had more numbers in midfield than us in that first half. And Kante was able to help us. I think also has helped that Kovacic is actually you know his attacking input has actually been so great this year, but it's almost sort of making up for one of those attackers with the numbers he is putting mm-hmm. forward. Uh, next question comes in from Tom Curley, and I'll give this one to you, Nichelle. What is our weakness, and is this the best Chelsea team you've ever watched? Tom's going big here, because it's, it's five <laughs> games in, Tom. We ain't, we, ain't, we, ain't, we ain't won the league yet. But what firstly, what is, would you say, the weakness in this team, other than our still profligacy in front of goal? Um, and is this one of the best Chelsea teams you've ever watched? weaknesses that's a really really tough one because i i think if i usually compare it to what we've seen before we rewind a year and our weakness was that we couldn't defend and now we defend so so well we've conceded once all season in the league and that was a penalty we've conceded twice all season in fact and it's tough to pick out any weaknesses in defense and i i don't know i would actually say a midfield balance is our weakness sometimes, and that's striking the right midfield balance in different games. So it's not to say our midfielders are weak, far from the opposite. We've got world-class midfielders wherever you look, but if we get the balance wrong or if exploited, we are vulnerable. Look at Villa, for example, where we had Saul and Kovacic, who, in my opinion, will be a really potent midfield partnership down the line. But in that regard, where Saul was new to English football, still settling in, and we didn't have a holding six who was there covering the defence, there was so much space for Villa to exploit. And when Jorginho came back on, we were fine. Same with Conte coming on short in the midfield the other day. You know, sometimes we looked a bit shaky or Spurs were finding their way through, but then we shored up. So I would say getting the right balance in midfield and choosing the right personnel for each opposition is the key. Is this the best Chelsea team we've ever seen? Not yet. Let's let's wait a few more months. The best one I've seen, in my opinion, would be Conte first season. That was just unbelievable football but I will say like for like this team strikes me as having more and being better when you look at each players comparing them and the system we're playing and the football we're playing maybe Tuchel just edges it but we're only two months into the new season we've got a lot of time I could it has the potential to be one of the most fun teams I've seen and I'd love it to be but let's wait and see yeah Tom in sort of response to that Weaknesses, honestly, it's just profligacy in front of goal. Because yesterday we could have scored five or six. I mean, Werner, Werner himself could have bagged two. Like, I think that's still like the frustrating thing that this team still like. We've, I mean, we've had three three nil wins to start this season, so you can't really complain too much. But it does still feel that at times we've sort of left some goals out there. So I think that is a potential weakness. And is in terms of best Chelsea teams you've watched, it's tough. Look, sixteen seventeen. I, I think this team is a lot better defensively than the team in sixteen seventeen was for sure. I think. Well, I say this, this team is almost machine-like in just how it operates. There's, there's just a ruthlessness, like, in term, in some ways. About, I know I've just talked about 
profligacy, but the fact is that this Chelsea team can weather a storm like they did in the first half and Tottenham played well and we've won that game 3-0. That is ruthless. That is machine-like from a top team. So uh, is it one of the best teams you've ever watched? It's tough because, I mean, you know, look back to Jose's first two, first Chelsea side that he built and how just brilliant that was defensively, how good it was in attack. So, you know, I don't want to get, you know, carried away, but it certainly does have the potential to be. These next two questions are linked, so I will include them together, and it's in regards to next Premier League match. Jam, Spurs have been cooked today, but can we cook Man City too? And Dan, will we destroy Man City? So some very confident people, obviously, this is after Man City, have also just drawn to Southampton. Will we beat Pep for the fourth time in a row? I mean, I'm not going to say, we can, can we cook or destroy Man City? Because I think that's being just a bit getting carried away just ever so slightly boys but are we Jack are we confident we can beat we'll beat Man City next week I'm confident we can beat Man City yeah 100% we've all everything I've seen this season um yeah everything I've seen this season has just been just been top top quality and has has shown me we are capable of going the full distance I know you were saying earlier Nick not getting too excited too early but the signs are there. That's how good we have been. And you can't blame the fans for getting excited about it. So when, we, when we've when we been defending defending so well, just need to improve on the attack, as you mentioned. But we we for sure have got a good chance of going, of going and beating City. And I'm, I'm buzzing, buzzing for that game next weekend. Yeah, and if we beat City, that'll be 16 points from our first six games and we'll have played all sort of the big boys except Man United. Uh, this question sort of just mentions, links into what Jack was just saying, comes in from Connacht. Thoughts on whether you think we can mount a proper title challenge this season based on that second half performance? Did it look like a statement win? Nashar, I'll give that one to you. Of course we can. Of course we can. It's the same thing I was saying for Zenit, but we didn't play well, but we still won. We didn't play well in that first half against Villa, in my opinion. We didn't play well in our first half against Spurs, but we still won those games. And that's what you want to see from teams who end up champions and end up dominating. They don't play 10 out of 10 every game, but they grind out those wins, whether it's a 1-0, whether it's a lucky goal, whatever the case is, they get the results. And that's what you want to see. And I've seen that from Chelsea. And one of the things I've been going back to in terms of what I've seen so far this season is that this is the best team I've seen since Conte's title winners. And if this is the best team I've seen since the last time we won the league, who's to say we can't do it again? And I do want to touch quickly on City because I also think we can beat them. And I'm also confident because we've beaten them three out of three. And another point to make is that while we've strengthened since last season, how much have City strengthened realistically? They needed a striker, losing Aguero, but he didn't get one. Sure, Torres is doing a good job of it. Gabriel Jesus is starting to come into his element a bit more but they didn't necessarily fill that gap straight away by Sun and Harry Kane, for example. We needed a striker. We got Romelu Lukaku. We needed a midfielder. We got Sal. We fixed those gaps. We had time with Tuchel. And arguably, we've had the best summer and we are stronger from last season. So, will be a tight battle. Will be a really fascinating game and one that I can't wait for. But who's to say we can't beat and get a really convincing win against City? Because we look at last season, they smacked us at the bridge in January, you know, under Frank, and that was when we were miles apart. Then we beat them in the FA Cup semi-final, we beat them at Etihad, and of course we beat them in the Porter. So I do feel confident about that, and we have strengthened a lot, and whether City have, we'll have to see how one of the types of favourites in us come up against the reigning champions. Yeah, look, Connor, in regards to that, I got, we got asked a question, I think, after we drew Liverpool, asked, can we win the league? And, or, and I said, or will we win the league? And I said, ask me after these next two, which was Spurs, the next two, whatever, which was Spurs and City. We've been Spurs and we've dispatched them comfortably. And I'm, you know, you're seeing signs of a title winning side, a side that was under the cosh. And in the space of 10 minutes in that second half, they've got back, they've killed that game off and they've won that game. There are signs that this is, this can be a title winning team. If we beat City, I think we will win the league. I'm going to put that out there now. If we beat City, we've got 16 points from six. And I think we will win the Premier League. Because I think we just look like a complete team. United have had a good start to the season, but I just don't. I think like they're winning games, and you've got to give credit to them. But I think they're getting a fair. They are getting quite lucky in some of those games, and I think Chelsea just look like more of a complete team. Liverpool have had a good start to the season, but aside from us, who have they really played? And I don't. You know, they've not really had a statement performance yet. So honestly, 
yes, I do expect us, and I do think we can mount a proper title challenge. And if we beat City and we go 16 points from six games, I do think we will win the Premier League this season. Uh, just think, just boys, have, think of us these past two games, as you both just mentioned. We've beaten Spurs 3-0 and we've beaten Villa 3-0. And yes, yesterday, the second half was quality. But have we really been that good? I don't think we really have. We've got so many more gears to go through. So if we're beating teams this convincingly um, when we're not at our optimum performance, just think how many games down the line further on in the season, how well we could be playing, how many goals we could be scoring. So, yeah, I fully agree with what you've both said. And and I think I really do think it's going to be a special season. Yeah, there, there just is that sense. I know it's early days, but you do just get that sense that something special is building. Uh, Max, how integral was Kante in this game? Very, very integral. <laughs> he's rather good at football, you know. Um, he, he's just very, very good. Uh, Blue Dream, is Kante a god? Yes. Um, <laughs> he's class. This question interests me. Um, Akash, thoughts on a 3-5-2 and the best 11 in it? Does Mace need a rest? We have sort of touched on Mace earlier in the show and do think... Could do rest, and this was similar comes in from George. Should we continue to play for three five two for the rest of the season? If so, who should be Lukaku's partner? So, uh, Nishal, thoughts on the three five two, and who is in the best eleven in that formation for you? I really want to play three five two, and I like seeing a three five two. I've had an article in the works for ages saying that we can be playing it, and it's something to go into. And that starts from seeing us play against City in the Champions League final and helping us see our job. We saw that the other day. You know, we had three top midfielders on against Spurs, controlling the midfield. And it's something I absolutely believe would work. And it would kind of remove the need for the inside forwards for you having Mount and Havertz. And it would also make them be more direct. I think something with Havertz is he played well and he had a good game. But if he was more attacking and if he was in a position which allowed him to be further forward and involved in the attack more, obviously I know he says a 10, but if he was up front, for example, we could see much more out of him. In that team... You know, the midfield is kind of obvious. Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic. Wingbacks, probably same. Alonso and, um, I guess, James. Up front, Lukaku, Werner. Why not? I think that could be a really good partnership. And that's the qualities of both players. Werner is, has struggled with his finishing. But over the last year, you will notice that he's done everything else really well. He has brilliant runs, brilliant decoy runs. He links up excellently. He's got great spatial awareness. He knows what he's doing. And if you can partner up with one of the best strikers in the world, support him and really create a partnership there, I'd love to see that. You know, same vibes as Jogben and Elka, for example. That's got lots of potential. So I wouldn't necessarily rely on that formation because with if we start three midfielders every game, then we need another midfielder and sign another one wherever we... Wherever we God, I can't speak. Whether we recall um, <laughs> Gilmore and bring him back in, I don't know. But... I wouldn't want to see a 3-5-2 straight away. I'd want to get a bit more squad and kind of see where we're at. But absolutely, I'd love to see that as an option. I also think with that, you just, Mason can easily just fit into one of the three as well, depending on the game opponent, because you're not always going to need, you know, Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic against certain sides. So I think, you know, it would give, you know, still allow Mason, would still give Mason Mount plenty of game time as well. And we've seen, you know, he can... Um, we saw seen him at times in a midfield three before under Frank, albeit it was, you know, a four, 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 three, three at times, but we've seen him playing midfield three before. So no, it can work. And I think three, five, two would be interesting to say Werner looked very good off Romelu Lukaku yesterday. And also, you know, Kai Havertz so far in sort of this of inside football, I don't think it's quite getting the best out of him so far. And again, him playing off Lukaku could be interesting. So three, five, two could be a way to go. But again, I think it is early days and we will do, you know, put it down to sort of opponent dependent at times. But next question comes in from good friend of ours, Tom Overend. Will Chelsea play a midfield three more consistently now, given how good the second half was? Jack, would you sort of be, you know, I know it's might have had a similar question. Are we tempted to, you know, see a midfield three more? Or is it purely just, you know, for you game dependent? Because there are obviously times where we won't need that many in midfield. I think Nichelle summed it up perfectly, to be honest. If you're going to consistently play those three three in midfield, we will be looking slightly thin. I know you've got the likes of Loftus-Cheek and Barkley in the squad, but are they good enough players for us to go and, and win a league title? No. So, 
Yeah, it's a difficult one. Like I like I alluded to earlier, you've got those three midfielders there that all three of them are just in the foot like in such good form. So it's it's gonna be difficult for Tuchel to choose who's gonna start each game. So it wouldn't surprise me in that respect, but I still think to stick stick to the two, to be honest. Yeah, look, I don't think, you know, against City, if we play three midfield, we've got no issue with that. Interesting, but I, I do think, you know, when you're playing, you know, don't no disrespect to the likes of Brentford, who, you know, you we should, you know, dominate, albeit they've had a strong start to the season. But I do think against some opposition, there shouldn't be the need to play all three of Kante, Jorginho, Kovic. And again, we've still got to manage N'Golo Kante, you know, he yeah. wasn't, or just Tuchel decided not to start him yesterday and gave him, you know, appearance off bench. So I do think just, you know, got to be careful with the bodies we've got in midfield. But, you know, it's a potential option. And as we say, in the free midfield, it does also, you know, we have got players who can play there, albeit it might not be suited for Kai, but someone like Mason could definitely, I think, do a role in the free. Dan Hill, how do we solve the attacking dilemma up top? Wasteful and rather blunt Kai and Mason and get better service to Lukaku. Is it a case of changing formation slightly or personnel, Nishal? Personnel. And that's not a long-term thing. I believe in Mount Lukaku Havertz is the fun three to go forward with. But we have so many options and we're not restricted to these only three attackers. They're not our only three attackers. We have so many other players waiting in the wings. And the joy of it is we can rotate, we can experiment. We have so many choices and so many combinations possible that we can find what the strikers, you know, go back a year and we thought our best strike force was Pusik Vanaziesh, but it's not. And we have the time and we have resources to be able to experiment and switch it up a bit. Right now, Martin Lukaku Havertz isn't working. And I feel like that's down to the form of Martin Havertz. And neither of them have been in form. Neither of them have really had a consistent, solid, solid start to the season. Havertz has had the odd great game or two, but has also faulted. Mount has shown his qualities that we know already, but has also struggled with our final ball time after time. And we have other players. Hudson-Odoi can come in. Werner can come in. Um, Ziyech can come in. So I wouldn't stress too much, but see what Tuchel wants to go with. Villa will be a great opportunity to really see, OK, who else can I play with Lukaku? Who compliments him well? Werner, we know, compliments him well. Does Pulisic um, affect that combination? Does Ziyech enhance it? Does Mount need to play with Werner? Or does he need to play with Hudson-Odoi? We have enough players to be able to experiment and be able to go with. So I wouldn't stress out about that, but I am curious to see how long we stick with Mount Lukaku Havertz in the top games or how long we wait until we need to find a new combination and switch it up a bit. Yeah, as I say, Mount Lukaku Havertz looked brilliant against Arsenal. It looked really good. And for the first half, Liverpool away, it looked really good. And then, as I say, international break, Mason and Kai, I think Kai sort of got flu on international break and both of them haven't you know, quite been at it. And as a result, the attack just hasn't looked quite as fluid and hasn't clicked quite as well. But Shyam, were the signs of Timo Lukaku combo promising? And do you think we might see more of it as the season progresses, Jack? I mean, as we said, you know, Timo and Timo look good off from. Yeah, for sure. We saw so many chances created with those two when when Timo came on. So against against the good teams where we're playing on the counter attack, I think it's I think it's a brilliant option. Um yeah, brilliant, brilliant option there. And yeah, I, can't, I was going to say something, I can't remember now. But yeah, no, I think going forward, it could be good. It's just Timo needs to needs to get the get the ball rolling, get get some goals under his belt, and and that those two could potentially be could potentially be a great strike partnership. Yeah, I and mean, just on that, and sort of linking that back into to Connor's question earlier about coming out time challenge. Werner's cameo off a bench is kind of why I'm also feeling like we can win the league because it's not just to let the eleven players on pitch; it's the squad you have. And we were able to bring on Werner off the bench yesterday. And he's been, you know, featuring off the bench mainly this season in the league. And he has a really strong showing yesterday, a really positive impact. Obviously, he doesn't score, but he does get, does get an assist. And I do think, you know, ultimately, we will, we're going to be playing a lot of games, challenging on all fronts. We're going to need these players to step up at various times. So, and obviously, there will be different combos to try out. So, again, another reason why, you know, linking back to kind of question, I do think we can win the league. And I do think we will hopefully see more of that the season because the signs were very promising. I think you can see as well. I think Rom said it after the after the Villa game. You can see that he appreciates the kind of runs that Timo makes. You've seen it last season in the Champions League final. That run he makes to take 
take the defender away and and Mount plays the ball through to Havertz that ultimately goes and wins us the Champions League. It's things like that you don't get the goal or the assist for that he does off the ball that is creating opportunities for his teammates. And he did it against Villa. It was the run he made then Aspi could play the ball into Lukaku and he buried it top bins. It's things like that that could really benefit that partnership as well, for sure. Yeah, and obviously... Look- Timo needs to do a lot more than that, but those are sort of at least the basics that he is doing, you know, pretty well. And you know, a uh, penultimate question comes in from Pat Larson: Do you look to sign Thiago Silva down to another contract? This man doesn't slow down. I mean, you know, he's he's coming up for his thirty seventh birthday next week, you know. But honestly, and I say this, like when you get to watch him, sort of actually in the flesh, like week week and week out, like we do you honestly get to appreciate just how good a footballer is and just see how good he is. He's just so calm and collected on the ball. He's literally, you know, you'd have forgotten Harry Kane was on the pitch yesterday. And obviously you can, you know, Harry Kane and how, like, how much is he actually there is, is another topic. But he's just phenomenal. He's at the top of his game. He doesn't look like slowing down. So, Nichelle, would you look to tie Thiago Silva down to another, a new contract? Or do you potentially say, actually... We don't need you to be starting week in, week out for us. Therefore, let's maybe let you go end on a hopefully a high and maybe bring in a new promising centre back. Because obviously we did lose a couple of really promising centre backs this summer. I feel like we need to reassess that next summer. Do we go again for Kunde? Do we tie down the likes of Rudiger, Christensen? Does Shalabagar on loan to further his development? Or does he come in and play an even more key role in the team? So there's a lot to decide on all different fronts, but I can absolutely see something like a JT role for Thiago Silva. And I've said the same for Athlequeta, where he's still involved in the team, you know, playing a secondary role on the sidelines, but he's still there as a leader, having a big impact. And we know what JT did in that season, helping us win the Premier League four years ago. And I can see Silva having the same impact later down the line. And most importantly, he loves the club. He'll want to be staying, he'll want to be um, contributing. But I also wouldn't hold it against him if he felt like, He's finished his two years here, yeah, hopefully with another piece of silverware and decides I'm at the top of my game. I've done what I wanted to achieve in England and in the Premier League. I want to go back maybe to Brazil and I wouldn't blame him to doing that. But on the other hand, you would be, it almost feels like it would be daft for him to end his time now because he's still so, so good. And you talk about seeing him in the flesh. I remember the first time I saw him was at the start of the year against Burnley. And um, of course, it's dead silent in the stadium. You could hear every single movement and tackle and clearance and just appreciate that up close. You realise, well, what a defender we have here. So that's something to reassess later down the line. Whether he wants to stay, whether we want to keep him, I'm not sure. I'd love for him to stay, but I feel like part of me has accepted that maybe this will be his second and final season. And honestly, I wouldn't mind that. I would understand that decision making, but we'll see. It's a long season. There's a lot of decisions to make and we have to reassess where we stand and who we need come June, come July. Yeah, I think Paz says just one of those we'll just have to sort of reassess near the time, but we're just so lucky to have him play for this football club. It is really, you know, Jack mentioned the amount of players we picked up on free agents who we've seen play at this football club. I mean, you know, recently is like even someone like Samueletta, who albeit wasn't at his best, but to see someone like him play for us was pretty special. And, you know, obviously previous free agents include people like Michael Ballack. So I know what, what a signing he's been. And, you know, we'll just assess it. But, you know, when you think of how when to he came in and he was key to our defence and how much he transformed it. And now we've got to the point where we don't need him all the time, but he's also just such a brilliant player to have around. So we will see how it goes. And the final question gets us a chance to discuss Thomas Tuchel. Joe, where would you currently put Thomas Tuchel on the list of Chelsea's greatest managers? And where do you think he ends up? This is a very, very difficult question. Jack, where do you currently put... Yeah, I know he has only been here eight months, but he's also achieved a lot in eight months. And I do think winning a Champions League does rather quite a lot for your yeah. for your standing. Um, Jack, where would you currently put two list of Chelsea's greatest managers and where do you think he ends up? Yeah, it's a blockbuster of a question, isn't it? I think I remember when me and you... Me, you I've got a feeling we got asked this Louis, a while ago. I've me, got you and Louis did like the manager, like managers like ages ago. And I'm pretty sure Louis put Di Matteo right up there just because he won the Champions League. So if you're going off that kind of um, yeah. <laughs> that kind of decision making, then he's right up there. But when 
I know Jose went on to United, Spurs, etc. But when you look at Jose Mourinho's record, at the end of the day, he is he is still Chelsea's greatest ever manager, just by the amount of trophies he won for the sustained amount amount of time. Um, but there are notable other coaches that we've had that have been absolutely exceptional, like Nichelle said, Antonio Conte, honestly up a point where it was low, low times being a Chelsea fan and he came in and took us from 10th to a Premier League title in his first season. Um, that is one of the best seasons I've I've ever had supporting Chelsea for sure. Carlo Ancelotti, when we were younger, came in and we used to score goals for fun, winning games 7 or 8 nil every week, it seemed like. So, I think with Tuchel, yeah, he's won the Champions League, so I'd I'd probably put him up there behind those three, probably. He's a bigger calibre than a Di Matteo, etc. So I'd put him up there in the top four. But we just need to see, like Nishal said as well, he's only been here eight months. So give him a couple more years. Hopefully he'll have a few more bits of silverware under his under his arm. Um and he'll be challenging for for those top top spaces for sure. It'll be him versus Jose if he if he keeps going the way he is. Yeah, Michelle, where do you rank Tuchel currently, and where do you think he'll end up? Firstly, this should be a whole episode because this is a really <laughs> really fun debate. Mourinho absolutely number one. I'd argue Ancelotti number two. If we're talking about the modern era, at least then you can throw in the lights of Hullet, Hoddle, or Conte. I would say definitely top 10 and maybe top five. I feel like fifth to seventh is where he ranks for me right now. And you could take in loads of things, you know, were they always good or what trophies did they win? What impact did they have? But in eight months, he has done an unbelievable job. So I would say fifth or sixth right now. And that's because I put people like Hullet, like Viali, like Mourinho and Ancelotti ahead of him. I think that's why I go with. And then maybe he's moved ahead of Conte, but that's kind of harsh considering we saw the worst of Conte in the second season. And we've not seen the worst of Tuchel yet. That's the only thing that worries me. I don't think it's going to be too bad, but we saw the worst of Mourinho. We saw the worst of Ancelotti. We saw the worst of Conte. What could it be like for Tuchel? So we'll wait until then to make the decision. But I'd say right now, fifth, sixth or seventh for me. That's all right. Well, I just remember, I actually remember we got asked this question I think it was after we'd got to, it was either, I think it was after we got to the FA Cup final and we were in the Champions League semi-finals or it was after we got to the Champions League final. It was before the Champions League final and got asked how good he was. And then I said, well, currently he's as good as Avram Grant because he's won nothing. Uh, he's, since then, he's won the Champions League. <laughs> by the way, that wasn't meant to slander Thomas Tuchel, by the way. I was just being brutally honest because like, he hadn't won anything. So at that point, he was as good as Avram Grant. But now he has won the Champions League. And honestly, he's won the Super Cup as well. If he wins the Club World Cup, then he's completed Europe and he's done something no Chelsea manager has, so that's got to rank highly. I honestly think if he wins the Premier League, if he wins the Premier League and he wins, if he wins one Premier League and he wins all the domestic cups as well as completing the Club World Cup, then I think he can rival Jose for number one. I think he can because then he's won everything. He'll be the only manager in Chelsea history to have done that. He might not have won, you know, as many leagues as Jose, but if he wins one and he wins the Cups then he's won exactly what Jose's won, plus doing what he's done in Europe. So now there, there is huge potential for Thomas Tuchel to go down as one of our greatest managers, but I'm also so aware of getting so excited because this is Chelsea and managers, there is a shelf life of 18 months. So we're, we're going to have to wait and see. But no, cur- currently, I'd say he's, he's definitely, he's top five easily for me. And it, de- it just depends how you rank a Champions League because for me, the Champions League is the pinnacle. So I just have to put him up there and I'd probably have to put him Honestly, like maybe I Di Matteo Di Matteo's got an FA Cup and Tuchel hasn't got is that hasn't got an FA Cup yet. So Jose won, Di Matteo two, Louis will love that answer. Di Matteo two, I'll put Tuchel three, Carlo four, Conte five for me as of right now because I just think the Champions League is just like it is just the pinnacle. Uh, you it's so hard to beat that. So that is currently he is fifth, but I do honestly think if things go to plan, he will be our greatest. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But hey, at least he's better than Avram Grant. So um, happy days. Um, right. That wraps up for this week's episode of that Chelsea podcast. Been a very fun 
pod to record as usual. Before we go, I'll give Nishal to give himself one last plug. So, Nishal, tell people where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find all your content. Well, thank you for having me back onto the podcast. Always a pleasure. And if you're a new listener, make sure you follow that Chelsea podcast on Twitter, on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Top quality Chelsea um, content from Chelsea fans. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from me today, you can find all my work on nishalsblog.com, articles, videos, podcasts, for a lot. And you can follow me on Twitter at initial underscore SP to keep up with everything I'm doing, as well as seeing what I've got to say about Chelsea and Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. As I say, Nishal's links will be in the description below. And as Nishal very kindly did for us there, yeah, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on all usual podcast platform providers. If you enjoyed, leave us a rating and review. It goes a long way. Share with your mates. If you're on Twitter, any likes and retweets on the podcast, always very, very much appreciate it. helps us get out there say we're on Twitter at that Chelsea pod. And um, yeah, until the next episode, everybody keep blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.